Welcome to the Leading Men Podcast. I'm your host, James Haley. This podcast is dedicated to helping Christian men become better leaders at home and in the church. This week, we discuss fatherhood with my brother-in-law and nephew, Grover and Cameron Alford. Cameron is a great example of the kind of man many parents hope their sons will grow up to be. He was an excellent student in high school and college, avoided a lot of the trouble that keeps parents up at night, and is well-grounded in his faith. I talked with Grover to try to understand what he did as a man to raise his son to be a godly man. I also want to hear about some of the mistakes he made so that we can avoid them. Cameron also provided his thoughts on Grover as a father and what happened that allowed him to open up to his father and have great conversations about relationships and other things teenagers usually avoid sharing with their parents. Leading Men is a listener-supported podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, you can help us in a number of ways. First, you can subscribe for free on iTunes and give us a five-star review. Your reviews will increase our visibility and help us reach more men. Second, you can share this podcast with your friends, family, and men's group. Finally, you can provide a donation on our website at leadingmennow.com donate. My favorite resource for the week is the article, Three Ways Dads Can Have More Meaningful Conversations with Our Kids by Jackie Bledsoe. According to the article, average dads spend only 14 seconds of meaningful conversation with each kid on a daily basis. If you want to be more than just physically present, read this article and learn how to have more meaningful conversations with your children. A link to this article will be posted in the show notes on our website at leadingmennow.com. If you have a favorite resource that you would like to share, please email us at contact at leadingmennow.com. And now we want to have a discussion about raising godly men and fatherhood. And today I want to talk to father and son tag team Grover Alfred and Cameron Alfred. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Grover and Cameron, tell me a little bit about yourselves. Well, uh, my name is Grover Alfred. I've been married to 27, 27 years to Jocelyn Alfred. That's James' sister. And um, uh, I have three children, Cameron, 21, Brittany, 17, and JoJo, 12. Uh, well, my name is Cameron Alfred. I've been single for 21 years. And um, <laughs> um, I mean, I just graduated college uh, this past this past year, 2016, uh, from Butler University and uh, have a job as an underwriting trainee at uh, CNA Insurance in Oklahoma City. So, Cameron, why do you think Grover's a good father? I think my I think my father is a really good father, mainly because he's given me the opportunity just to be myself um, and has basically opened up the opportunity for me to just, um, you know, be able to talk to him whenever I need to, um, if I if I ever really needed to. And um, I guess really what started this whole thing with, you know, my, my father being, you know, who he is, is being open enough to actually just say this is who I am. This is, these are the mistakes that I've made. These are the things that I'm learning and growing from. Um, and one, one of the things that I remember, you know, very distinctly as one of my first times being able to understand a little bit more about him and his growth was when he went through, uh, when we, when we moved to Dallas and, um, he was a part of, uh, the children's, um, the, the, the children's hospital. Uh, it was a yeah, re- it was children's program. medical center, um, yeah. clinical pastoral education, 
uh, program. Mm-hmm. It's kind of tra- training for chaplains. Yeah. And so pretty much one of, I mean, what, what was really growing about or what was really very fascinating about that particular program was that he was able to learn a lot about um, himself and basically having to become self-aware about what was going on with him. How did he have to, you know, basically improve as not only a person, but he took that as, you know, a way to improve his life within his family. And I think that was one of the things that really got me, um, got, got me able to, um, be able to talk to him as, you know, as often as I did and as much as I wanted to, because he showed the amount of, you know, transparency that, I wanted to, you know, strive for, you know, in my in my own life and um, seeing him from when I was, you know, young, you know, playing basketball and him screaming at me out on the court to talk, telling me to get up to, you know, ba- basically being the man that he is today about, you know, just showing me the path and showing me certain things that I could do, you know, uh, better, but in a very um, encouraging way. That's what makes my father a really great father. So it was around the time you moved to Dallas when you were really starting to be rev- being able to open up to your father. Mm-hmm. Gorville, tell us a bit about that. What happened in Dallas from your perspective that made you that made brought around this change in you? Well, you know, Cameron mentioned something when we were still here in Memphis. Um, there was a situation where he was eight years old, and we were at a party. A lot of people from church were there, and we were playing basketball. And he was on my team, and I, you know, I had joined the party because. Uh, or joined the basketball game because there was a, a a guy who was a young guy and he was just, you know, he seemed to be exasperating the the young folk. And so I said, hey, why don't we just play him and his team? And, you know, we were doing real well. Everything was going well. You know, our team and their team were going back and forth. But Cameron went in for a layup. <clears throat> I passed him the ball. And the guy that was sticking me, uh, kind of went off to him and blocked his shot and ran into him at the time. And at the time, I got so angry, I didn't know what to do. But here's my son on the ground writhing in pain at eight years old. And what I look at him and do is, is say, get up, boy. This game ain't a game for sissies. And I could see in his eyes what had happened. And a friend of mine stopped me. She uh, was in choir. Her name is Aretha Sample. And, and what she said is she pulled me aside after the game and said this. She said, look, if you don't get a hold of whatever the issue is that's going on with you, you're not going to have a relationship with your son. So here we go to Dallas. And I'm in this clinical pastoral education program. And the way they set the thing up is that there's a time where you're in a small group of people. You've got four other uh, trainees with you and you're talking about how you feel about things. Well, Big Dog hadn't talked much about how he felt. You know, I hadn't talked much about how I felt about what was going on and what was happening. And so oftentimes during that time, I ended up getting slammed for not being transparent enough. And after hearing those kinds of things and hearing that I really was kind of divorced or detached from my feelings and understanding what's going on, um, I began to, 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 to really say, hey, I need to check in with my family because do they even know what's happening? And I know how, you know, most folk who listen to this thing are going to think, oh, no, here we go talking about feelings. But it's my belief, and I taught my son this, that feelings can inform you. 
and allow you to do some very good things once you are aware of what they are. But many times we as men don't even want to look at being aware of what our feelings are. So that's what changed me in Dallas. Just in general, your general philosophy of parenting and all that, did that was that informed by your parents or are you a lot like your father and mother? No, um, I grew up in a, in a household where I have a stepfather. Now, when I was younger, my mother uh, got together with my father and I was the mistake, she says. And so then she got together with my younger brother and sister's father and he was um, abusive. And, uh, but my mother gave as good as she got. And so then finally she met a man that I call my father. He is my stepfather, but, um, he was a very influential in helping me to understand what it means to be a man. But, um, you know, he was a man of his age. So he was very stern about certain things that man, men did and certain things that men didn't do. And so Though I really credit him for helping me to understand manhood, um, there are some some things that kind of linger that were were not maybe as good as they could have been. Let's go back to those feelings. And you said you know the program in Dallas helped you get in touch with that. Is there anything else that helped you get better in touch with your feelings aside from what you were doing in that program? Well, a- as I began to do the program. I just began to think because when I was in the program, the first thing that they told me is you're angry. And I said, no, I'm not angry. I'm just expressing myself clearly. They said, yeah, you're very clear, but you're clear because something touched a nerve. And I said, oh, wait a minute. So I began to start examining things that touched a nerve for me. What was it that was making me uh, angry or frustrated or sad? And when I began to identify these things, what happened for me is I said, wait a minute, if I know that I'm angry because of this, then I can begin to control how I respond. But for the most part, what had been happening to me is I would feel the anger. I would feel this thing in the pit of my stomach and it would be rising up to my head. And um, by the time, you know, I was going to respond, it had already reached fever pitch. And so what I had to learn to do was say, oh, wait a minute, I'm feeling that heat in my stomach. Why am I feeling that heat? And then when I was able to understand what was going on with that heat, then all of a sudden they could say, okay, wait a minute, you're, you're angry because you're feeling this. And you're feeling this because of, you know, maybe, you, you, maybe you're thinking back to the time your mother called you a mistake. And so that kind of thing is, is building up. But now in this situation, you've got to watch yourself because this is, you know, a friend that you're dealing with or your son that you're dealing with. And so you can't just go pop off. So really it began to be a personal examination every time I started feeling something. Cameron, how did you, what did you see in your dad? What let you know that something was changing and <laughs> it's a little easier now for you to open up to him than it first yeah. to pass? Um, well, from 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 a very young age and from what I was told from even when I was a young young boy I used to watch everything and I I I mean I literally saw everything from the moment from 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 the moment that my dad you know told me to get up and you know continually told me to get up you know off the basketball court whenever I played basketball 
um, up until you know when when uh, when when he went through that program, the CPE program, and it just really you know helped me understand that this is the amount of transparency that you know I'm going to have to have as well. And I think the I think the defining moment was one was one night where he came back home and. You know, he basically, you know, sat down and talked with us about everything that he was learning. And I think it was a part of a type of devotional thing that we were trying to do at some point. And literally at that moment, I think all of us as a family kind of, you know, just opened up and started saying certain things about what was going on with us. And essentially it just got down to the point where for me as a man, I started to realize there's something different about what he's doing with this program. And it's a lot more than just you know, um, just, just, just the education that he was able to get at, you know, um, Claremont, you know, School of Theology or Bright Divinity School at TCU. At the end of the day, it was a little bit more of a, you know, it, it was more of a life changing life structure, you know, uh, attacking type of thing. And that was something that I wanted to do with my life, because at the end of the day, there, there were some things going on with me that I just realized, wow, I think I need to I think I need to change certain things about my life. Because I look back at my 2009, 2010, 2011 self and I'm like, uh, what was going on with me at that time? Um, but for me, I think what what I started to truly see as a as a as a developmental piece just with him was the the amount of openness that that he had. He always had the encouragement. He always had the, you know, the happy, you know, happy feeling about him. But what was more about it was the, the the amount of transparency he had and the authenticity that developed as, you know, as time went on. And so I think that's really what had me open up to him a little bit more because I wanted that authenticity. I wanted that transparency and I wanted to be able to understand how did I want to how, how did I want to develop and, you know, grow uh, from the black and white, you know, uh, mentality that a lot of us can always have you know so for me it, it was just all about understanding the, understanding the transparency the authenticity and then even just to add one more thing the complexity of what he had to go through personally and then how could I you know understand what 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 complexities I had that made me made me what made me who I am made me what I what what what, what I was you know interested in or what I was you know uh, grasping towards and that that was something that he brought to the table with all of us but but specifically for me you know as a as a growing young man without going into private details what kind of things were you now able to freely talk to your parent or your dad and your parents about yeah i mean um i remember the very first thing was you know relationships um it you know i, I mean it, I, I had you know, I had I had a girlfriend, you know, going into, you know, uh, going to my eighth grade and ninth grade years of, you know, uh, of, of schooling and everything. And, you know, it, it it helped me understand, you know, certain things about what I wanted and what I didn't want. But I think the greatest thing about, you know, being able to talk to my father was that he had he had certain experiences that I didn't have. At the time, this is my this is my very first girlfriend. I you know trying to figure out okay, well how do I how, how do I maneuver? How do I you know make mistakes and then still you know be um, you know confronted about the situation, but at the same time truly be encouraged about the fact that this is not just puppy love. This is not just you know a, a little thing that you know you can you just just fall fall into as a young person. Like this is this is something real that, that you're having to experience and. The fact that, you know, he was able to tell me straight up, 
hey, this is something that I don't approve of. This is something that I don't really you know, like that you're doing in terms of, you know, how you were, how you went about the situation. But, you know, at the end of the day, I understand that you are a growing young man and I need you to step up and do certain things that are, you know, consistent with what you want your life to be going forward. And so that's and that, and that, that was something that, you know, I, I had to take very seriously, not only with, you know, myself, but, you know, for the future self that I would you know, for the future self that I would, you know, become, you know, what kind of person do I want to be? Do I want to be a person that, you know, truly respects, you know, the people that I'm with and the, the, the people that, uh, that that surround me and dealing with the relationships that I have? Or do I just want to be a person that just lives his life for him selfishly and expect other people to, you know, follow suit? James, the boy was 14 years old when he came to us and said he was ready to date. And I got in trouble with Jocelyn <laughs> because, you know, in her family, in y'all's family, your mother had very, very clear rules about when you date, how you date, what's going on. And he came and asked us, you know, I have somebody I'm interested in. This is what's going on. And what I had to do with Jocelyn is say, He's come to us and he's being open. We can monitor the relationship. So let's see what we can do. Now, I don't advise everybody to, you know, when their child is 14 or 13. But these kids these days are, are trying to, you know, kind of hook up at, at very young ages. And if you've got a child that's going to come to you and say, this is what I'm ready to do, um, then parents, you got to get ready. To go and, and, and try to do some things. So he comes to me and, and, and he says this. And then he begins to maneuver in this relationship. Mm -hmm. And there, there are things that he's enjoying about the relationship. There are things that he's frustrated about the relationship because the girl is two years older than him. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so, and so there's some things that she may be ready to do that he may not be ready to do. Yeah. And so, you know, we, 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 as we're in this situation, we're talking about this and he's actually telling me stuff. Now, I remember him telling me one time, I'm never going to tell my parents anything about what's going on. So I'm secretly smiling like, oh, he's telling me. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's letting me know. But so we, we, we start this thing and it goes. And they date for two years. So she's getting ready to graduate from high school. And she has this ball that they have. And she wants him to take her. And so, you know, she asks him and he says, of course, I want to do that. And I even agree that I'm going to uh, be the chauffeur. And um, but what I told my son is I said, you know, you're going to have to go talk to her father. And ask him for permission to take his daughter to this ball. My Cameron looked at me and he was like, what? <laughs> Cameron like, because her father was this leader in the church. You know, this was a church girl. He was a leader in the, in the, in the church in a particular area. And he was feared. And, um, you know, so Cameron went and asked him and said, hey, um, you know, your daughter has has this ball and she wants me to take her. But I feel like I need to ask you your permission. And he said, well, you know, that's between her and her mother. You know, uh, you know, they, they've decided that this is what's going to go on and blah, blah, blah. Because he really wasn't he really wasn't ready for his daughter to have been dating anyway. Well, 
the bottom line is he even talked to me about it, this father did. And he said, well, that was between the mother. And why did you send him to talk to me? I said, look, I'm raising a man, not a boy. I want my son to understand that if he is going to approach a woman, if he is going to be with a woman, if he's going to act like he wants to be serious about somebody, he needs to understand that he's going to have to develop that relationship with the father and he's going to have to make sure that he honors the father's position in that family. And one thing I love about what happened is Cameron said that began to erase a whole lot of fear he had about dealing with men, uh, you know, especially uh, other 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 you know, men's daughters because he knows how he's going to approach the man from here on out. Yeah. And it's, it's just developed a level of respect, not only for, you know, for, for, you know, the man that I was dealing with, but also just a little bit more respect for myself because at the end of the day, I mean, I, I, I can be whatever, you know, kind of, you know, man, I want to be in terms of, you know, I could, you know, I, I could have been the player. I could have been, you know, the, the slick talking, whatever I could have been. But at the end of the day, I, I chose to be or at least, you know, at, at that time, I felt like I was forced to be the man that I needed to be, you know, and just, you know, come out and say respectfully, this is what I this, this is what I plan to do. And these are the intentions that I have. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think that moment truly helped me understand that I don't need to be a slick talker. I I, I don't have the I don't have the you know capability of doing that, you know, in terms of. You know, like 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 putting words together in a you know in in all, like off the top of my head. But at the end of the day, I'm I, I I was I was trained to be the man that I was supposed to be, and that was you know that that moment kind of defined you know who I was going to be and you know who I am today you know going forward. So, bro, how does it make you feel knowing that he could have been the player and slick <laughs> guy, and, but well, he didn't become that. Well, uh, it makes me feel good, but but I kind of knew Cameron was a certain type of young man from the beginning. You know, the, the important thing for me in, in parenting is knowing your child. And I've known for the longest that Cameron is a Y child. He's my Y child. I got three. Cameron is the Y child. Brittany is the what? What can I do? And Jojo is the how child. And it's not asking me how she can do things. She already has a system for how she does things and she just wants us to get with it. Mm -hmm. But the bottom line with Cameron, he's a Y child. And so when I'm looking, when I'm talking to him about things, I have to already know I can't talk to him about what I want him to do or what I think is right and wrong without understanding that I need to also have an understanding that he needs an answer why. He needs to understand why I'm saying what I'm saying. And so, you know, uh, one day at, at, at church, one, uh, one evening, we were having a program and we were talking about um, uh, Tamar and Judah. Now, that's a story in the Bible where uh, Judah had sons and the first son married to Tamar and that son dies. The second son it then is responsible for giving his seed for um, Tamar to have children for the first son. And that son dies. And so Judah sends her away and says, when my youngest son uh, grows up, we'll, we'll marry him to you. And you, you know, you do this thing and this will fulfill 
the 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 responsibility that our family has to you as far as children are concerned. And um, but that didn't go quite that way. And, you know, you can read the story in the Bible. I won't go all the way through it, but some real strange things happen. And Tamar ends up being a part of Jesus lineage. Well, at church, we were talking about this thing and, you know, I pulled the men to the side and, and we were back in the back room talking about the story and I had the women out, you know, um, and they were talking about the story and, and proposing questions. And in that little meeting that occurred, this is just before Cameron's getting ready to go off to college. Um, the brothers started talking about fellas you need to be aware of how important it your seed is. Your seed is precious. Girls continue to, in these days to get um, instruction. And I love the way women do this. They give girls instruction about how precious their body is and what's going on. But oftentimes, fellas don't get that kind of instruction. They don't get the instruction that you got to watch out who you decide that you're going to get with because that is going to be a person you're going to be tied to for a long while if your seed connects. And Cameron said, wait, what? Whoa. So, I, you know, he began to understand why it was important for him to, you know, watch where he was going with his seed. And so then he's made some very strong statements about how, how careful he was going to be about getting with folks. So I knew uh, early on that he wasn't the kind of guy that was going to be a player, but I also had to know that his personality and his way of approaching the world was one in which he had to have an understanding of why first before he made very uh, clear declarations about what he wanted to do. And that was important because that ended up being uh, a declaration that helped him to be very careful about how he deals with women these days. Mm -hmm. And that happened after he was with you know, this this young lady. So I wish I had done it before, but. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I definitely can't complain about that, you know, particular situation. I mean, it helped me understand a lot of different things. And um, I mean, I, I just I still remember, you know, going into college, you know, you know, understanding that particular, you know, thing about, you know, how I dealt with, you know, how I dealt with women and everything. And, you know, like I, I went into college and you know, I, you know, at, at the end of the day, like there, there were certain things where you thought like, okay, like you, you, you have this idea. Okay. Like, well, there, there's this, you know, there's these, there are these girls that are, that are cool. These, these, these girls that are, you know, this, this and that, who, who, who in the mix will I, you know, kind of go after. And then a after about a while of, you know, understanding who they were and, you know, what they were about, I knew that there were certain women out there that I just would not, you know, go after. And then there were certain women that, you know, I knew that, you know, they, they, they wouldn't have like an interest in me because of certain things that I was about. But at the end of the day, like I, I started to realize that there, there, there was something about me that I had to, you know, truly get together first and truly understand, OK, what am I going to do to, number one, make the most out of my college experience, but then also understand the people that I'm dealing with. And that that particular moment that my dad, you know, kind of ref, kind of referred to and referenced at, at the end of the day is more so about understanding, number one, who you are and what you bring to the table. Um, you, have, you have to understand that you're, you know, valuable as, you know, 
you know, as you are. But then when, once you get into that, you know, mode and understand that and, and fully understand that to the T, how can you bring that to someone else and, you know, add value to them? And I think that was something that as a man that most 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 men, they, they feel as though that, you know, they're, they're the power players. They're the ones that, you know, basically set the tone and you follow me and that's it. But for me, it's all about setting the tone for being something that my dad really, truly, um, you know, promotes very well is being a love leader, you know, being an encouraging, you know, love leader. And what does that actually mean for me? You know, when I went into college, what that meant was, you know, being myself first, understanding that there are certain things that I know I won't do. There are certain things that I know that I will do. And there are certain things that I'm not too, totally, you know, totally sure on. But, hey, I can at least feel good about the fact that there, there are certain things, there are certain risks that I took. And once I once I took those risks, you know, I was able to understand that. There were certain things that were, you know, that that were negative that came out of it. But at the same time, I was able to, you know, deal with whoever I was dealing with in love, not necessarily dealing with them in malice or dealing with them in, you know, um, anger or anything of that nature, because I was aware of the fact that there were certain things that made me angry, whether it was in a relationship as, you know, um, you know, as a person that I wanted to, you know, potentially get with or if it was just dealing with people, you know, on a, on an organizational level, you know, on a professional level, anything of that nature. So for me, that, that moment, you know, before I left for college truly helped me understand what it meant for me to be, you know, a leader of love or a leader just, just, just in, you know, just, just as, just as a man, you know, setting the tone and not necessarily having a power to assert, but a power of love going into it. So Girl, well, <clears throat> Cameron seems to be very confident in who he is and very knowledgeable of who he is. How do parents do that with their children? Um, <laughs> as a man, Cameron just got through talking about being a love leader. A love leader has to be very uh, aware of certain things. So, first of all, you have to be aware of who you are as a person, as a man. You know, what have you come through? What is your backstory? How does your backstory impact how you react to folk? And once you understand that, then you got to understand something about difference. Your story is not your son's story. You know, uh, my name is Grover Willie Lee Alfred Jr. And when I first found out that I was going to have a son, his name was going to be Grover Willie Lee Alfred III. Now, my wife was saying, I don't think I want to put that burden on my son. And it took a woman named Sue Truesdale. She's been gone for a while now. But she told me, son, oftentimes juniors don't live up to the seniors. Or sometimes they eclipse the seniors in ways that that are phenomenal. But the bottom line is you need to let that boy that's coming be his own man. Don't cling to having to have that name. Now, you know, it was it saddened me, but I came up with the name Cameron. So that was, fine. <laughs> you know, so but there had to be a certain awareness that he's different from me and. You know, it's very clear. My son is an introvert. I'm an extrovert. Um, 
My son it plans very, very well. He's very meticulous about what he does. Um, I haven't always been the most meticulous with regard to certain planning, but I had to recognize that he's different from me and I had to value his difference. Another thing I had to learn as a love leader was my responsibility isn't, and I know some people are going to maybe balk at this. My responsibility isn't to tell you what's right and wrong. It's to help you connect with the source of power who can guide you with regard to what's right and wrong. What do I mean by that? Critical thinking. One of the things that's the funniest thing for me with my children is they come to me with the music that they have. And you know how most of us in, in, a, in a certain generation are. I can't believe they listen to that rap stuff and this, that, and the other. I want my children to come and play what they think is good music to me Rap not, doesn't matter. I mean, I got one child that listens to everything. She listens to some rock sometimes. and they, But the bottom line is they come to me. And then the question that I ask them is, so what is that song saying? What's happening with that song? What's going on here? And as they begin to explain to me what's going on, you know, I, I ask other questions. And in the asking of the questions, they begin to say, well, you know what? I, I do like the beat, I do like the groove, but what this person is promoting is this. And so it's I may listen to it, but what I'm going to do is be very careful about how I let it influence me because bottom line is I don't believe that way. And so I think as a love leader, you've got to be aware of a few things. You've got to be aware of yourself. You've got to be aware of the difference, but you've also got to be aware that your role as a man is to help your children to critically think and process what's going on around them. Because if they can do that, they can be very effective individuals. Yeah. And, and, I, and I also feel that, you know, the, the connection itself is very, is very important. Um, I, I know, you know, when I was talking with my dad um, a few weeks ago when I was moving to Oklahoma City, um, we I, I played him the song uh, from Beyonce's Lemonade. Um, uh, it was called, what what is it? Uh, Sandcastles. And the thing that really, the thing that really got me and significantly impacted me about that particular song was vocally, she literally, she literally just let go for artistic authenticity. And at the time when I was listening when when I first when the when the song first came out, I hated that song, not for the art not not for the art itself because subconsciously and you know back back in the back of my mind I knew that it was it was due to an art, you know, to, to for, for 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 art for um authenticity. But at the end of the day, vocally I just could not get with the fact that you know, she literally just let go vocally and she had a history of being such a, you know, perfect, perfect, uh, perfectionist. perfectionist when it comes to, you know, being a vocalist. So for me, I hated that song and I, I, I would never play that song um, in its entirety because I, I hated the part where she really got, you know, just 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 truly let go. And it's just like, you know, she really just let go of, of the perfect of, of the perfectionist vocalist that she was but then I had a conversation with my dad I played the song and you know he said everything that I thought about you know subconsciously about the art but he understood vocally that you know as, as a singer 
and because I actually I actually do sing. I, I I always wanted to connect with something that was perfect vocally because I want to make sure that I sing the right notes in the right key and the right, you know, um, basically throughout the right way. And when he was able to understand, when he was able to, you know, talk with me and be able to, you know, connect with me and process everything that was going on with me, we got down to the point where, okay, well, why do you hate this? Like, like, like what, what, what a part about, what 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 about this do you really hate is it you know is it connecting with the vocal the the, the vocal um you know uh, uh the, the or the lack of vocal perfectionism or is it the 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 fact that maybe there is something deeper within you as a man that you just can't deal with about the fact that Jay-Z might have cheated on you know his <laughs> just she cheated on the woman that you know is supposed to be the highest of the high in the industry you know it, it, you know, how, like, can can you really, you know, tackle that for me? You know, it, it, is it really that or is, I mean, is it really the vocal, you know, strain or is it, you know, being a man and the fact that you can't believe that this man actually cheated on a woman that is, you know, so high up. And that's when I had to really, you know, self-evaluate. Wow. Like, you know, this may be an art, you know, for her, but this is a little bit more for me and I'm making it more for me. <laughs> you and, know? And, and Cameron had to realize, too. You know, and I don't think we talked as much about this piece, but if Jay-Z could cheat, he could cheat. Right. And Cameron is the type that he is very definite about what he's what his intentions are about things. So he doesn't want to get caught up in cheating. And I had to let brother know now I have not cheated in 27 years, but that don't mean that when some fine thing walks across the street that I don't say, hmm. And what has to happen is you have to have a mindset of understanding what your relationship is. See, there have been things that that I have not been able to do as a man that my wife has accepted because she loves me. And so I have to be able to process the fact that this woman truly knows all my dirt truly has been disappointed by things that I should have been able to do but haven't been able to do and she continues to be with me and so that's why I need to be very uh, definitive and clear about my intention to be ethical in my relationship with her and Cameron in hearing that song and hearing the pain in Beyonce's voice is like you know this woman is the paragon of of what's fine in this in the in the industry and this dude does this. Well, I'm like, well, Doc, when we when we take our eyes off the source of our strength and power and our ethical capabilities, then that's when anything can happen and anything goes. And, and, and in that conversation, I think, you know, just over a song, there was some very deep and meaningful kinds of understandings that he began to get about who he was as a man. Yeah. So now, <laughs> now I can actually listen to the song all the way through. So it's okay. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it definitely helped me understand that there are certain things as a man that I have to, you know, truly keep my eyes and focus on. And, you know, if it wasn't for my father being able to, you know, give me that sort of, you know, guidance and, you know, have that connection with me, you know, I don't, I don't think I would have had that same type of, you know, process or at least that, that same outcome anyway. How many of your peers you think could actually take a song like that and break it down to that level? Not too many. And um, I, I know that there's only 
two people that I know for sure that were my roommates in college that can do that. Um, you know, my, my, my roommate, my roommate, Julian and, um, and, uh, my, my, my friend Mo, who's also, who's also my roommate uh, while in college. Um, we, we used to talk about some of those things all the time when we were in college. And I think number one, we under like, you know, obviously they both have met my father and they, they understand a little bit about how he works and, you know, just how his, you know, happy go lucky, you know, attitude could be, but they also understand that (laughs) there would be no me if it wasn't for him. And one of the things that we used to always talk about, you know, back in college was the fact that their father, that their fathers were never there. So I'm in a position where I, the younger, the the younger version or or the, the younger person in the group, who has a father, who has the privilege of having a father, but both of them don't. And they both have two different stories that truly make, that, 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 that truly make them them. But they have a certain mentality about how they operate as men that, you know, truly guides how they look at the world, how they look at music, how they look at, you know, pretty much anything that, that, that is really going on with them that is very, you know, very, very personal for them. So, you know, I, if you want to talk about, you know, other people that have made me the men that uh, maybe the man that I am today, I would definitely look at those two, Ju- Julian Wiley and Mo Simmons, because Julian connected me in terms of not only the, the music side of things, you know, he helped, he helped me, you know, realize, you know, the power of music, but then he also helped me understand just what it was like to be, you know, someone that didn't have a father and still being able to, you know, rise up in a situation you know, and, and still look at the world in, in, a, in a way that is very, you know, unique, but also very, you know, also very realistic. With Mo, he helped me understand the fun of just being, you know, the man that being a man that that I couldn't even grasp, you know, until I went to college. You know, there was there was one moment, you know, in, 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 in my time where I just thought that being a man was this, this and this. You had to plan for everything. You had to make sure that you had all these different things going on. But even with that, with, with, with my friend Mo, he helped me understand like, wow, um, there, there's a lot of fun that, that you can still have without necessarily having to, you know, be very, you know, straight and narrow all the time. And that's some of the things that I took from him and took, took from those two, two people that made me a little bit and added to my value as a man, you know, going forward. So what do you think they learned from you? I think one of the things that they learned from me was <laughs> That, you know, openness and uh, and I guess being able to truly just, honestly, you know, the, the, the idea of just being able to be self-aware going forward. Um, they I think they learned from me the, the opportunity just to be, you know, um, just, just to I, I don't I don't really know. I mean, like I, I couldn't put words on it, but I mean, to me, you know, they they, they learned. They learned me as I think they learned how to deal with me, you know, it, like the, just the the idea of <laughs> just me being as as goofy as I could possibly be, but also be as, you know, straight and, you know, kind of black and white at the time that I could be. But I, I think that, you know, their impact on me was a little bit more than what my impact was on them. I don't know. I don't know if they could say something different, but I don't. I mean, I, I don't know exactly what they can learn, what they had learned from me. I, I'd probably have to think about that more or maybe ask them. But, you know, or maybe maybe my dad could probably, you know, say, you know, because based on some of the stories that I told about them to him, you know, 
he may be able to say something that you know could be profound, but I don't know. You know. Well, I really appreciate what those young men did. They 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 took you in, they embraced you, you know, and so they were good young men. But I think what they appreciated about you the most was you were you. Mm-hmm. You could be you. You didn't have a desire to try to shuck and jive for somebody. True. You know, you didn't have to do special dances in order for um, you to feel accepted. If people didn't accept you, okay, you know. Um, but the bottom line is, you know, you were going to remain. If you wanted to have fun, you were going to have fun. If you wanted to be goofy, you were going to be goofy. You know, whatever the case may be. When you were serious, you were serious. And, and when you needed to make a point, you were going to make a point. And that's who you are. And you were very clear from the outset from coming there what you wanted to do. And I think that they took that as, okay, because both of them still have things that they're trying to do career-wise, but now they have a vision. Okay, they're asking themselves questions that you had asked yourself when you got there. Mm -hmm. What is it that I want to do? How is it that I want to be the best me that I could possibly be? You know, et cetera. So I think that if there was going to be anything that they would take from you, it's like, you know, you have asked those questions of self-awareness from the time you were seventh, eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And that was and that was key for them. Yeah. One thing that was uh, I've learned recently and impressed by is that you've already found a church in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. When I was young, I don't know about you, but when I was young, I took a break from from church. A lot of my friends took a break from church. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you do that? Well, I mean, in college I took a break from church. <laughs> so, you know, if that if that counts in terms of a break. But um I had people that were, you know, supportive, and I and I knew I had a, a specifically um, a man named a man named Zach Dickerson who basically gave me uh, the <laughs> I, I'll say gave me the opportunity to be um, to be a part of the church and and through music ministry, and um, when I when I found out that I had um, that that I got a job in uh, with, with with the company that I'm with in uh, Oklahoma City. Um, I, I wanted to make sure that I let him know because he was in Oklahoma City. And uh, basically, you know, when I called him, he said, well, hey, man, you come in Oklahoma City, uh, I'm going to get to work. That, that That's just what it is. And I just said, OK, well, you know, if that's what it's going to be, then, you know, I'm, I'm definitely fine with that. Because, you know, for me, I, I, I mean, if, if if anything, if it wasn't for my dad, again, I wouldn't have met that man. He, he forced me to be in the choir when I was in Dallas. So, and so, so when I, when I went into my first, um, my first, uh, my first choir practice, he was sitting there in the front row. He saw me come up. He had noticed, he noticed my dad singing in the crowd and everything. So I was just like, okay, well, what am I going to be then? And that man looked at me, Zach Dickerson looked at me and he was like, Hey, you, you come down here with me. <laughs> and ever since then, we, you know, there, there, there have been so many antics that we have, you know, portrayed out there, you know, for, for the, for the crowd to see. But at the end of the day, you know, he was my mentor. He was my, you know, music mentor, if, if you want to call it that. So at the end of the day, you know, when the only reason why I have, you know, any connection to a church at this point, you know, in Oklahoma city is because of, because of him, you know, he, he told me straight up, you know, we get into work. And, you know, ever since then, I kind of found a little bit more of a pride of, you know, going to church mainly because, 
you know, I don't have the excuse of I don't have a car anymore. I don't have the excuse that I have something going on at um, going going on on campus anymore. You know, I have the excuse of uh, you you working today. <laughs> like like this, like this is this is gonna be the deal. And you know, I found an appreciation with that because you know he he has led me you know to to a, to a place. Even though it, so there are sometimes where I don't sound as good as I want to. At the end of the day, you know he's look. You know this, this is what we're this is what we're about, and this is the ministry that we're going to be. You know. Um, you know, putting forth out there, you know, I, that, that, that's, that's just the way that I, you know, have to have to move. And it is, I think it's just all about influence and I have the right people influencing me. And, you know, I, I'm, I, I, I have to say this, you talk, I talked about being a love leader. My son has talked about being a love leader. And one other thing that I think a love leader needs to be aware of is that there are going to be other people who are going to pour into your sons and daughters. You've got to, as a love leader, take your hands off sometimes. I'm not saying be, you know, too risky about what's going on. But what I am saying is there are people in your community, in your church community, in your regular community, who can provide some insights and some instruction for your children. If you're the type of man who loves your children, then you've got to be able to allow them to access folk like that because those folk add to the insight that they have when they go out into the world. And if I continue to keep my children cloistered and and, and, and hugged close to me, they'll never get an opportunity to see what's going on outside. Yeah, and I, and I think that, that that's the other thing with parenting that I've that I've started to see not only with single mothers but also single fathers too. You know, they want to tr- they want to try to keep their sons specifically clo- cloistered because they they want to they want to make sure that they don't see the same things as they saw or experience the same things as um, you know losing or not having the father that they needed to be or not or like like for the single father specifically it's just like they don't want to have that. Um, you know that same experience of, uh, of, of, of not being able to have some like like just not having something, and for me, I you know there will there will always be you know father figures in anybody's life, and you know I, I'm I'm just gonna be very personal about this and be very you know um, be be very candid about this you know when it comes to you know Father's Day and everything like that. As much as it's it, it sounds good to celebrate the mothers, it's not your day, and um, people can you know look at me a certain way when I say that. But at the end of the day, there's a Mother's Day and then there's a Father's Day. There will always be father figures out there that will put something into your you know sons and daughters going forward. And so for me, I'm just I'm just about the business of making sure that you know if if I if if, if there is you know somebody out there that I know that doesn't have a father in their lives or that doesn't have a father in their life, you know, um, and, and I, and I can be a mentor to them or I can be, you know, uh, or, or if there's somebody out there that, that, that can be a, you know, mentor for them, that, 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 that's who they can go out there for. Not, not to, it's, and it's not to say that the mothers don't, that the single mothers don't do anything, you know, uh, worth having, like, 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 like worth, you know, the substitute of having a father. But at the same time, they're not fathers, you know, so and, and you know, that, that's just how that's just how I, you know, operate. That's how that's how I see things. And that's how I live. But, you know, um, it, it was very important for me not only to have my father, but to have other people who were like father figures, you know, in my lifetime. So, you know, I, I've had the privilege of, you know, having a father, 
that's great. Some people, you know, who don't have fathers have the privilege of having, you know, father figures, and that's great. Um, but for me, it's 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 been so important going forward to just have, you know, all kinds of people that I can, you know, look to as mentors. Gore, what's some parting tips for everybody on raising a godly man? Number one, know your child. People aren't going to always stay the type of godly person you think they are. Um, You know, they're not, you know, a lot of people talk to me about, you know, is Cameron, did Cameron go to church? Did Cameron, did Cameron go to church while he was up there? And so on and so forth. One day I sat down with Cameron in his freshman year and we were talking about community. And I said, your campus is your community. And so he focused on the campus. Now I wasn't telling him not to go to church, but the bottom line for me was, I, you know, I wanted him to understand that you have to live church. You don't just go to church, you live church. And so many of the things that he was doing on campus was for the uplift of people mm-hmm. and uh, aware, you know, uh, the making people aware of certain key things that they were, were not aware of. And so, you know, one thing we got to do is, is make sure that we keep ourselves just connected and stop worrying about whether or not a person is walking the way you think they should walk at this particular point. Their walk with Christ is going to be one in which they come to some realizations and understandings, not you giving them the realization. The other thing is, is understanding and knowing your role as a man, as a father. My, my, I had to recognize, and I said this earlier, that my role wasn't to beat right and wrong into my children. My role, and I, and, and I wasn't very good at that early on, you know, I did use a lot of corporal punishment, et cetera, and then we had to stop at a certain point. But what ended up happening is, is I began to realize I had more influence when I was able to converse with my son and understand where he was. And one key thing that happened, um, I had always told my son, when you have something you need to talk to me about and you're angry with me about something, say, Dad, can I tell you my side of the story? And immediately that puts me in the position of being a listener. And so one day he was out, we were out somewhere and we kept trying to call him on the phone because we were ready to go and he didn't come. And finally he came and I was all upset and I was like, you know, you got all these phones and so on and so forth. And you're back in some room with some some people. And I, and he was seething in the car. As soon as we got to the house, he said, Dad, can I tell you my side of the story? And he let me have it. You know you can trust me. You know what I've done in the past. You know what's happening. You know I'm always responsive to you. And I was, you know, I was hurt that I had put him through the pain of making him think I didn't trust him. But the key point for me in all of that was making sure that I had a mechanism for him to be able to approach me because I'm not always right. And I had to apologize to him. So the bottom line is have that key phrase, men, 
that allows your son to be able to talk because what we normally do is when they start trying to tell us something you don't tell me anything i'm your father i know this this that and we go off we need to have that key thing and we need to know what that is for us that will put us in the position of saying oops it's listening time let me hear yeah and it's it's funny too because i i can already hear i can already see it now with people you know let's listen to the podcast and be like okay well you know this man is weak. This this man is, you know, not 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 letting don't 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 let your you know your kids do this that and third. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, you can hear that and you can hear that and say that. But at the end of the day, I mean, we both learn from each other. And I think at the end of the day, not only did he have to you know understand what was going on with my needs and be you know considerate of that, but I also had to be considerate of his needs as well. So that was something that I had to really understand too. You know, there there was nothing that. There, there's nothing about our there's nothing about our relationship that we can that we can all say that oh yeah like there there's something that everything that it, like everything is perfect with us no there doesn't like there's nothing perfect with us and I think there's nothing perfect with how we've dealt with things in the past period but at the end of the day what I can also say is that yeah we we're imperfect people we make mistakes but you know he's still my father there's a certain there there are certain needs that he has that I have to you know cater to you know and to me that's you know that that that's what's most important about our relationship is that fact that we're both aware of not only ourselves but each other and i think that's going going along with any relationship that you deal with you have to also you have to not only be aware of yourself and you know uh, and, and even some of the surroundings but you also have to be very aware of what what what's going on with them and how they experience things and so for me you know, you can say you can say that my father's weak. You can say that I'm just, you know, like like an overbearing kid that 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 has, you know, all these, you know, high maintenance needs or whatever. But I mean, if, if you really knew me, <laughs> I don't really ask for much and I don't really need much in order to really you know do anything. All I ask for is, you know, a certain amount of respect. And I and I give that respect to you no matter who I'm dealing with. But, you know, with my father. We, we know we, we had to come to each other and just say that this is this is what we have. These are our needs and we need to, you know, kind of address some of those things. You know, a lot of a lot of the things that we talk about, if we were talking about it six years ago, it could have escalated into a fight. But last night, you know, I, I know like, you know, just recently we had a we had a conversation about, you know, KD going to the Golden State Warriors versus, you know, going to, you know, or staying in o Oklahoma City. Now I'm sitting here thinking like, okay, if this was six years ago, we would have had a whole full blown, you know, <laughs> argument about what's going on with that and yelling and everything. But, you know, it doesn't have to be that way because we understand what, what each other's needs are. We're not necessarily dancing around anything either. What we're basically saying is it's like, okay, well, there's a certain things that I have going on. There's a certain perspective I have. There's a certain, certain perspective you have, but what we can also come to is an agreement that, Hey, it would be better for for KD to stay in OKC because he has certain leadership potential. Now that's just you know that's my opinion, but you know, but but we can all we can all kind of agree on you know certain things, but 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 at, at the end of it all, we're both different. We have different things that we have to you know address. We have different needs that we have to you know try to understand and you know address too. But you know we're we're still a family. And I think that's the most important thing about, you know, being a parent, maybe, and being a child. You know, my my role was, you know, he was talking about, you know, roles. My role was being, a, you know, a child and being able to learn from him what was going on. But he also learns from me as well. Yeah. So, 
yeah, we're we're all students of the game. <laughs> we're all we're we're all you know um, you know learning just as much as anything. But just because you have more experience does not mean that you have all the power to do everything. I know that from experience because I've I've been able to tell people you know a little bit more about themselves as adults than when when I was when I was fifteen, sixteen. Okay, now what what does that mean for me? Uh, you know. Uh, you know, maybe I'm more mature. Who knows? I mean, it's really not necessarily about comparing one one to another. But, you know, um, for me, it's all about bettering myself and understanding, you know, who I am and how I can be better for me. The next, you know, going, going into the next phase. So and, you know, he said something about telling adults some things. There's been only one incident where an adult came to me and indicated that my son was disrespectful one incident and as, as we began to talk about that we were able to clear that and clean that up with the adults who felt offended as well as understand where my son was when i deal with young people i don't try to you know beat them up and then come and soft shoe it i want to kind of hear and understand what's going on and then i'm going to say well in this area you were wrong and that needs to be it addressed and rectified and in this area you got a point and if we can get that rectified we'll do that too but you know when it comes to raising a, a young man like Cameron Cameron already was on a certain trajectory and my thing is I got to ride the wave with him and I really appreciate the opportunity to have a son that recognizes that I was riding the wave with him and there were areas where I was a little weak in riding it and he had to hold me up. And there were areas where he was a little weak and needed some instruction and I had to hold him up. But when it all came down to it, we recognized that there was a certain place that God wants him. And it's my job as a, as a father to help him to at least attend to what God may be saying in that respect. Is there one any one big mistake you think fathers make with sons that you want to call out? I think the biggest mistake a father can can make, and I I made that mistake. The biggest mistake a father makes is putting his image or his what he wants people to see him as as the most important thing. In this situation, when I talked earlier about the basketball situation, I was trying to be a rescuer and me rescuing the teens from this individual who was kind of antagonizing them a little bit on the basketball court ended up putting me in a position where my son ended up paying the price. And there's a story in the Bible about a man by the name of Jephthah who did that very same thing. In his quest to be recognized by his tribe, the Gileadites, um, he ended up sacrificing his daughter's uh, uh, purity or, or whatever. You know, so you know there, there's debate about what the sacrifice was, but bottom line, his child ended up paying the price for his ambition, for his being able to be recognized as a big and bad. Um, leader. Well, you know, I did the very same thing to my son, you know, 
And I had to learn and pay the price and make painstaking steps toward repairing that relationship because it was damaged that day. But fellas, that's one thing. That's one mistake. We usually get ourselves caught up in trying to hold up an image and we ended up having uh, our children and families pay the price. But what I can tell you, and and, and this is a victory uh, uh, statement, it can be reversed, but you've got to do the work. And that work is not uh, is not just the work of saying, OK, I'm going to do better. I'm going to be better. It's actually looking at yourself and saying, OK, this is where I am. This is where I need to be. Let me get there. Yeah. And as a son, you know, I had to do some work in order to you know be able to get over the pain that I felt during that time when I was eight years old. You know, of hearing my dad tell me, get up. This is not a sissy game for me. Like, you know, I, I, I had to, you know, I had to do some work in order to realize that, number one, you know, this is, I mean, number one, this isn't, this isn't the same man that, you know, was there for me, you know, six years ago when I was, you know, go, going through that particular situation. But I also have to understand, too, that I'm not the same person either. I have, if there's going to be, if there's going to be some change made, you know, we have to change. We have to change together. We have to ride each other's wave. And so, um, so once, so once we understand that, you know, and th- those fundamental things and our, you know, particular issues that, that we have going on with us and being aware of that and, and, and catering to those needs, you know, it's easier to, you know, deal with that. And I, and I'm not speaking as, you know, a person that, you know, is trying to answer the question of, you know, the mistake of a father, because, you know, I'm not a father, so I don't know anything about, you know, the kind of mistakes that I, that, I, that, that you guys could make. But the one thing that I know that I could do as a son is be able to, you know, say, you know, I understand that my father is, you know, is, is was in this particular position at that point in time. But what can I do to change my perspective? What can I do to understand him a little bit better? And I think that's where a lot of sons make mistakes is, <laughs> you know, we, we are not open to the idea that, that, that our fathers can make mistakes. <laughs> so, you know, may, may, maybe there's some changes that we need to make, you know, as sons, but I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we all have something that we, that, that we deal with. Um, how can we meet each other, you know, at, at, at the same level and just make sure that, Hey, you know, we all have something that we need to contribute. You know, we all have value. You know, that, that, that's, that's pretty much what I, you know, have to say about that as a son. So Cameron, any parting advice for fathers from a son's perspective? I mean, any parting advice for, for a father, um, you know, just be open. I mean, it's, it's easy to say, but I mean, it's different for everybody, but I mean, just be open to, um, you know, the changes that your son is, is, is going through. Um, you know, I, I, I realize, I look back on my life six years ago. Every day, like I see on Facebook on this day, the statuses that I used to put up and I'm just like, what was going on with me at that time? <laughs> but, you know, again, for me, it's just all about saying and understanding um, there, there are some things that I had to change. And but there, there are some things that my that my dad went through while seeing me go through that. <laughs> and, you know, for me, it's just all about saying, hey. You know, I as a son, I understand where y'all are coming from as fathers. Y'all, y'all are the ones that are setting the tone and basically, you know, being the love leaders that you need to be. Um, be open to the changes that are that, that are coming, you know, with, with us, 
you know, as young men, because we're, we're trying to figure out for ourselves what that is and um, be open to the fact that, too, <laughs> we're trying to be different from you, period. Um, and we're trying to find our ways um, different from you. But that doesn't mean that we're trying to be anti you. We're just trying to be different because we are inanimately. I mean, basically, we're, we're fundamentally different than you, period. We're all different as humans. But, you know, it, sh- it shouldn't be a slap in the face that we want to be different from you. So just be open to that change. But other than that, th- th- those, are the, those are the things that I would say uh, as a son that I would just give to fathers. All right. Thanks, Cameron. Thank you, Grover, for your time and being being willing to be open with us. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks again to Cameron and Grover Alpha for joining me this week. They were both very open and honest about their relationship and the mistakes that were made in their relationship. They provide a great blueprint for men to become love leaders in their home and a great blueprint for raising godly men. If this podcast was a blessing to you, please let us know by emailing us at contact at leadingmennow.com. Please don't forget to provide a five-star review on iTunes and Stitcher. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Leading Men Now. And let's continue the conversation with the hashtag Leading Men Now. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.